Welcome to episode 7 of Bird Bros. Thanks for checking us out, whether it be through iTunes, SoundCloud, if you clicked our Facebook link, if you clicked us on Twitter, thank you for listening. I'm Ron Brown, and along with me tonight, I have two co-hosts, my man from 704, Trent, what's good what with up, you, bro? And then I got the humble, our biggest humble Saints hater, but we still love him. <laughs> That's AV. <laughs> what's good, man? Hey. Hey, I'm good, man. It's a tough week, but week, but we good, man. We gonna bounce back. <laughs> All right, you know, you know what? Go ahead and lead us off, man. Of course, we we lost to the Saints this past Thursday. A tough loss to take us to five and one. Had a lot of blunders with uh, turnovers and, of course, the block punt for a touchdown, and we fell in defeat, 31-21. First loss of the season, like I said, still uh, second place in the NFC South. AV, I know it's tough. I know you're talking big trash. I mean, you have the <laughs> the most loved segment on the show, which is uh, reasons the Saints suck. But man, that was a tough game to watch. When we had chances, even after the first half, even after the blunders, we still had chances to win. But break that loss down for us, man. Yeah, it was a tough game. Um, I think it was probably the first game where you could say the Falcons probably were a little bit more full of themselves than they should have been. I think coming into the game, we didn't game plan well for the Saints. Um, there's no way that you let a 98-year-old um, tight end, you know, come <laughs> across and just have one of the games, literally one of the games of his careers. Um, so we struggled, you know, with, with pass protection in that. We str- I mean, with pass uh, defense. We struggled in pass protection. You look at how Matt Ryan was under blitz and under attack really the whole game. Um, we couldn't get to Drew Brees. And then, if, like you mentioned, with the fumbles, uh, fumbles um, the block punt that went for a touchdown. And even with all that that happened, the Falcons still had a chance to be competitive in this game into the third quarter, uh, but just couldn't put it together. And I think this was the first time where it did not look like uh, we were in sync with what we were trying to do as a team. I mean, James Stone with the infamous butt snap <laughs> that – you know, he somehow snapped the ball off of his leg, didn't had no sense of awareness where the and ball didn't was. Feel it. <laughs> didn't didn't feel it. It was like I'm just gonna snap the ball and it's just gonna go off my behind and I guess I'm gonna keep blocking. Uh and, and it just looked like the Falcons just did not have that same sense of urgency. I know it's a cliche that gets used a lot, but it looked I mean it looked like it came to fruition. Um you definitely had a couple of individual performances that were strong. Devontae another hundred yard game, uh rushing, uh, you know, obviously scoring some touchdowns and he's been huge doing that. You know, Roddy got involved in the passing game early. Um, but it weren't really a whole lot of positives uh, to take away from the game. I think, though, it'll be an opportunity for us to kind of reflect. You know, we didn't play well, really, the game against Washington. So I think maybe this time off the 10 days will help kind of refocus the team and get us back on track because, um, you know, we don't want to get into the habit of playing down to our competition. The Washington game was close to a loss. The New Orleans game was a, was a decisive loss, though. So, uh, it's always tough, even for myself, to admit defeat to the Saints. But uh, you got to give it to them. They were a better team that night. Yeah, definitely got to give it to them. I, I reluctantly gave them props on that win. I was, you know, to lose the first game is tough to lose your first game. You're not gonna go 16 and 0. But damn, to to the Saints, exactly. out of all the teams yeah. you lose to, man. Yeah. You know, Trent. I mean. Another big game for Freeman. We had some bright spots, but there were more ugly spots. And the defense is not not where it needs to be. The pass rush is the most uh, evident thing. Like we we pointed out some key matchups, and I was like, "Yo, 
let's attack the O-line. When they had an injury, actually the, the left tackle who replaced Armstead went down, and, you know, they bring in basically a third stringer, Tony Hills, who's a, a journeyman offensive lineman. What, what's up with the defense, and what were some bright spots, if you can see, if you could see some bright spots in that game? I think the actually the Saints, they controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So, um they're like for our defense, they're like our defensive line. Their asses was hand, were handed to basically, and then we couldn't get any. Um, for example, our run blocking was actually decent. Like you said, uh, like Av said earlier, Devontae Freeman had over um, had a hundred rushing yards, but the pass blocking was um, was terrible. Matt Ryan was running for his life back there, and he basically he didn't have a lot of time to go through his progressions and actually get the ball down the field. So I think that. Um, like the line of scrimmage is where we really uh, lost this game. However, this was this was the first game I can say that I was actually displeased with uh, Shanahan's play calling. First of all, um, Devontae Freeman he fin- he has he had a hundred yards rushing, but he only had thirteen rushing attempts. I understand that you um you wanted to get Tevin Coleman involved in the game, but at the same time you it can't be at the expense of um, Devontae Freeman and. As a result, like Tevin Coleman, he actually ran the ball good, but of course we all remember that uh, that fumble he had when we were driving to put some points on the board. Yeah, that that fumble was it was his longest rush of the game actually, which was 18 yards, but he fumbled on that play. I think we we're in the red zone or close to the red zone on that play, but you know when I look back, when you say you know we don't want to mess up you know Freeman's production at the at the expense, I mean you know trying to get Coleman involved, but at that point, man, we could not – I don't know. You, We were down, so, you know, you got to pass the ball. But it was like, damn, if we do, damn, if we don't. They were – Well, know, he actually Ryan got like going into the third quarter, yeah, we, we couldn't pass the ball at all. So most of our offensive production came from running the ball. And I think, like, I know in the fourth quarter, Freeman didn't have a lot of rushes because we were, we were down multiple um, possessions. But going into the, thir- the third quarter, I want to say he only had about 10 or 11 rushes. And that's – and the game was still in hand, so I don't really see how we can afford to only allow Freeman, you know, ten rush like uh, that amount of rushes. Yeah, the, I th- I agree with you. I think the play calling was strange. It just seemed like even early on, it, the focus was just to pass. Like I, it didn't seem like we were interested in trying to control the flow of the game like we've done so well. It was pass, 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 pass. I don't even remember how many passes we started the game off with, but it took a while for us to really get in any kind of flow running the ball. And with how bad that Saints defense, especially the run defense, I was surprised we didn't try to get Devontae involved earlier to try to run and kind of quiet the crowd down, could play some uh, some ball control. But yeah. um, it was just an interesting game. Just like you said, I, I think this was probably the first game where Shanahan – like he was pressing a little bit to try to get something going, and, and it didn't really flow with the with the team. And especially, um, you know, Matt Ryan gets sacked five times. He was under under constant stress the entire game and, and never looked comfortable. So um, it was strange to continue to put him in a situation where he had to pass when you know that the Saints, get, they were coming coming for him pretty much the whole game. Yeah, while, while you all, you know, you mentioned the, the play calling and Matt being pressure, but – you know, even despite those things, we were still in this game. This game could have ended up like the Cowboys game where we come back and, and win decisively because you have the turnovers that you can't you can't have the block punt. 
I mean, they were talking about Bosher never having a kick return for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, and then bam, you know, it's blocked, and they, they run it in. Steve Gleason night, I mean, they bring it, they, they talk about the statue and Steve Gleason's story, which is, you know, a great story, redemption story and all that, but damn, just the timing of everything. Yeah, and that's like you were saying that we were still, like, despite those turnovers, because we had, okay, yeah, we had that, they had that touchdown, we had a fumble, did Matt throw any interceptions? No, he didn't have any inter- interceptions. This the, okay, so we the had fumble, the fumble on fourth down. The fumble on fourth down, down, fumble yeah. by James Stone, the turnover on the, yeah. So despite all of those um, issues we had, we, like, I, I feel like a big, like, this was also our first, our defense first game without a turnover. So we, our defense didn't help out our offense either. Like, um, so that was an issue where, like, going into this, of course we were, we were expected our defense was expected to have some type of turn, some some turnover. We we played pretty good um, up into this game. I even picked the defense for um for the fantasy uh, sleeper last week. Yeah, that that pick was not a fruition because we didn't have too many uh, takeaways. We didn't have any takeaways, like you said. I gave up thirty one points, but it, it definitely shows it's okay. We're not as good as we thought. We knew we didn't think we were you know world beaters. We didn't think we were the old. 07 Giants or anything, or whatever you're the Giants. I mean, not the Giants, but the Patriots the year they went undefeated. We're not just, like, blowing teams out. We have some some inconsistencies and things that the team uh, needs improvement on, and defense is definitely there. We need to rush the passer, rush the passer better, and they uh, announced Grady Jarrett is definitely going to get some more looks, and he's been a good good pickup, good draft pick, the rookie out of Clemson. You any other guys you all think need to step up, or you like to see get some more looks offensively or defensively, Trent or uh, Av? I mean, I mean, I definitely think there's been you know there's been a lot of chatter about Vic Beasley lately. Um, I know some of the message boards, even on radio, um, with some other other shows, they've been talking a lot about his production. You know, he is tied for the team lead with two sacks with Adrian Claiborne, who did get a sack uh, on Breeze on the in the game in New Orleans, but. You know, Vic's got to do a little bit more. He's got to finish some plays. You know, I spoke about it a little bit um, on the Kali and just talking about the fact that he's got to do a better job finishing plays, countering moves. I think everybody is everybody knows he's fast. You know, he's he's what six six three, six four, two uh, two forty, two fifty. So he's he's light for um, a defensive end, but they're already playing him for his speed. So he's got to do something different with his technique and and how he's approaching it because right now. Um, if we're not getting any production from our defensive line, then that means we have to bring additional pressure. And as we saw when we did bring pressure, um, it didn't take long for Drew Brees to find the open man, and he did that. You know, he he got the ball out pretty quickly um, pretty much the entire game. So Big Beasley's a guy who has to step up. Um, I think Leonard Hankerson is a guy who has to step up again. He had drops, key drops in the game um, mm-hmm. Thursday night. So, you know, if they're really shifting the offense to his, you know, him being the number two guy, he's got to make more catches. He's got to make more plays uh, to keep that defense honest. Um, if they try to double Julio or they try to stack the box against Devontae. So um, to me, those two guys definitely have to step up, you know, and, and I think as we continue to get healthier, you know, with Justin Durant possibly coming back soon um, with Mike person potentially coming back soon, that'll help the overall team. But, you know, we got to get something from the pass rush. You know, another guy we don't even talk about is Tyson Jackson. He's done nothing opposite Vic Beasley on the other side. So we got to get somebody to step up and make some plays on the interior because we're getting gashed uh, up front. 
Yeah, I definitely think, um, of course, Vic Beasley, with him being the big offseason acquisition um, this past offseason, he has to step up. We, um, I think Dan Quinn also is looking for some deep, like, of course, uh, Dan, Dan Quinn being defensive-minded, he's looking for our defense to be better. That's why he just added um, Philip Willer. So hopefully he can come in and give us something um, upcoming. So I'm expecting... Um, Philip Will- Philip Willer to um to be a, a to be beneficial to our defense. Also, William Moore, like where have you been this year? Like you used to be the the leader of this defense, and I just feel like I don't know if it's injuries or age or what, but he just at times he's looking like he shouldn't be on that field. So I I hope this ten day um this mini buy will help him and just help our um our secondary get on track and like Will Moore, he is the leader of that defense. So he needs to step up and be that leader. Yeah. There've been some, some questions on certain positions on the defense, defensive side of the ball, you know, Tyson Jackson, as you talked about, Willie Moe has not been, you know, he's made, I think he had an interception earlier this season, but yeah, we definitely need him to step up. As you, as Trent mentioned, the Falcons signed Phillip Wheeler today at linebacker. Out of Georgia Tech, uh, he's a, in his eighth year. Most recently, he was with the 49ers in the preseason, but he was waived on September 4th. So as of right now, it looks like he'll be there for depth, but we'll see if he gets some playing time because we need somebody that can wrap up and tackle and also hopefully give us some kind of decent coverage uh, coverage out there at linebacker, which is definitely important the way Ben Watson just had a career game. <laughs> like he was back at UGA or something, the way he was playing. Yeah. Uh, but, good. you know, that I guess we can wrap the Saints game up and put that put that one behind us and kind of <laughs> look forward <laughs> to next week, uh, to Sunday against the Titans because uh, that one was kind of ugly. But, you know, we saw some good things that we can build on. I'm still excited about Devontae Freeman and the running game. And even Tevin Coleman looked good in his uh, limited playing time. So that'll be some things to watch. But, you know, we're going to switch gears and, and take a look around the NFC South. The Falcons and the Saints played, as we talked about. Tampa Bay, I believe they were on bye. Let's see, I got yeah, one. Yeah, they were on a bye. They were actually yeah, on a bye. So only bye. three teams were, were up this week. So, and then also we got the Panthers who played the Seahawks. And I actually probably let Trent talk about that as he was he's behind enemy lines in Charlotte, the Panthers, they played the national game on Fox. At least we caught it down here in Atlanta. And they beat Seattle 27-23 on that last drive by Cam Newton, which uh, Panthers look pretty damn good, I must say. But behind enemy lines, up there, up I-85, <laughs> up in Charlotte. What are the Panthers fans talking about up there, Trent? Oh, of course, they're on cloud nine right now. And honestly, I can I'm officially worried. They, uh, the Panthers actually had the biggest win of the year on Sunday, beating the Seahawks in that, um, of course, that bonding um, environment. So, like, it was a it was a very good win for the um, for the Panthers. Now, the Panthers are actually going through this next stretch of games is probably their toughest stretch of the season. They, um, like I said, they just beat the Seahawks. They have the Eagles on Sunday night. And then I want to say they have the Colts and they, the Packers are coming into town. So these next couple of weeks will show you what this Panthers team is about. I felt like this stretch they would, um, if they came out of this stretch at 500, then they would be they would be pretty shaped for the um, 
for a, a high position in the um, in the playoffs. So they started they started off um, very good on um, beating the Seattle at home. I didn't predict them. Uh, actually, felt like they would be um, it would be a blowout, but they actually um, blew the blew, uh, actually won that game. So I'm expecting this, like I was saying before, I'm expecting this uh, division to go down to that week 13 and a week 16 matchup when I don't know if we're coming here first or if the Falcons are coming yeah, to Yeah, Falcons Charlotte are coming first. to Charlotte uh, December 13th. That's week 14, and then they and come. Then December 27th. Is, they come to Atlanta. Uh, yeah, they're going to Atlanta. So I, I still feel like those two games are indicative of who wins this division, but I also feel like that this division can like this division can be a big contender in the NFC, and I feel like in this um, this division will have something to say about the uh, NFC Championship. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of surprised at the Panthers. I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago with you know, hey, is Seattle is going to be really their first big test after they only played you know Jacksonville, Houston, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay for the you know lower tier teams in the league, even though. New Orleans beat us, but yeah. you know the Seattle game was a big test, and then you got Philly, who's playing a little bit better. Indianapolis, what the hell are they doing? And then uh, <laughs> Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback in the league. So, you know the Panthers look pretty good. I guess you don't really need any receivers to win because Cam and uh, Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, I think that was that may have been one of Cam's best uh, best games of his NFL career. Oh yeah, definitely to go late in the game. And to get a touchdown in that hostile environment, man. Over L.O.B. Yep. Had Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman on the bench like, yo, what what happened? Yeah, I think Dan Quinn took their powers when he left, man. I think he took that defense's power. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still – I wouldn't be confident playing Seattle no matter what. I mean, that defense oh, of is, course. is legit. But So that was Trent giving us the behind enemy lines up there in Charlotte. And now we go to a – Somber. I don't know. Is this a somber segment? I guess AB <laughs> let us know. I mean, <laughs> how? How? What? Re- give us a reason why the Saints suck. I mean, they beat us. I would concede this week, but you know, you got a lot of hate in your heart for that team. So, why? Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I just. It's just something <laughs> that's just in me. I I don't think I can ever get the hate out of my 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 spirit for them guys. Um. Yeah, reason number 1,654 why the Saints suck. Despite the Saints' 31-21 victory over our Atlanta Falcons, the Saints remain dead last in the NFC at 2-4 and and dead last in total defense, giving up more than 409 yards per contest. But that, my friends, is not reason 1,654 why the Saints suck. Check this story out. Saints linebacker coach Joe Vitt, who was the Saints head coach during the Bounty Gate season 2012 when Sean Payton was suspended, injured himself chasing away a man and woman trying to steal his car and a neighbor's car outside of his Medairy home this past Saturday morning. Here's where the story gets even weirder. The incident occurred shortly before 4 a.m. on Saturday morning, according to Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office spokesman Colonel John Fortunato. Vic was walking through his kitchen when he noticed a shadow, a shadowy figure running across his front lawn. When he went outside to investigate, he noticed a white female with blonde hair wearing khaki shorts and gloves attempting to enter a neighbor's vehicle. Vic then looked toward his own car and saw a white male inside the vehicle. When they saw Vic, they took off running, according to 
Colonel Fortnado. Vitt pursued them on foot for a short distance before tripping and causing injuries that are required a trip to the hospital. Vitt was diagnosed with a broken wrist and torn Achilles. <laughs> Ironically enough, the suspects remain at large. So I'm not sure if the suspects involved were Falcons fans, but we hear Burgers <laughs> hope Coach Vitt has a speedy recovery. And that is reason number 1,654 why the Saints suck. Yo, only I, on the Burgers. Only on the – man, you know what? I thought you – I was just reading that story like 30 minutes, like yeah, really while we were recording. So I'm like, damn, I was going to bring that up. But I'm glad you, you threw that in. But you know what, Joe Vitt? Yeah. I, I, Joe Vitt, I feel crazy. you, bro. I also saw that he he was like coaching the next day though, right? He was at practice the next day. Yeah, I saw something he said he never yeah, missed a day Saints, of work. Or yeah, the Saints said he he has yet to miss a day of work, and uh, <laughs> he's been coaching for 35 years, so nothing has ever stopped him. So I'm sure he'll be on the sidelines. Uh, I think the Saints play who um, they play the Colts, I think this weekend. So I think he'll definitely either be on the sidelines or up in the, the skybox. But yeah, that's a crazy. Crazy, crazy story. Uh, wake up, and he was up. I mean, 4 a.m. on a Saturday. Like, he was up that early anyway. Yeah. But um, maybe some Netflix and chill with the wifey or something. Man. <laughs> I, I guess. Session went longer. <laughs> but I mean, I feel Joe Vitt, man. If, if you had somebody to try to break in your car, like I, I pulled a Joe Vitt before, man. I saw somebody try to open my truck a few, my door on my truck a few years ago, and I took off running up the street chasing him. I didn't fall and trip, but you know, I, I chased them away. Tear your Achilles? <laughs> I ain't tear my Achilles or nothing. I ain't do with Kobe, but uh, <laughs> but yo, I mean that's yeah, that's that's cool. I mean yo, I don't think anybody, any of our coaches would have got injured. I mean, imagine, you know, who Terry Robisky or somebody like that, or Brian Cox. Brian yeah, yeah, Cox Brian might Cox. actually <laughs> catch him. Yeah, he he, he would have caught him, him, and that would have been a real Brian problem. Cox. He he'd have broke the dude's Achilles yeah, <laughs> when he yeah. caught him. So you'd call both of them, but. Yeah, speedy recovery to Joe Vitt, man. That's a that's a a quirky and interesting story right there. But now we're gonna go ahead and preview uh the Titans game coming up on Sunday as we go to Tennessee, go to Nashville and play Tennessee. Um, they are one and four coming off another loss uh, this past weekend against the re-energized Miami Dolphins after they um, fired coach Joe Philbin and hired. Dan Campbell is their interim coach, and they they're coming off a 38 to 10 loss. Marcus Mariota, their first round pick, he may be out, so we may see uh, Zach Mattenberger, a uh, SEC foe for our UGA fans and fans of SEC teams, former UGA quarterback as well, and uh, at LSU. So, uh, what do you guys know about the Titans? What can we expect? Is this another easy win, as we've said a few times this year, or we still have to bring our A game? I mean, if you look at the Titans right now, their team, they, they are uh, they're struggling. They're one and four, uh, last place in the AFC South. They've lost four straight games, just lost their starting center, uh, Brian Schwinke, uh, dislocated angle. Uh, they have a brand-new rookie right tackle, Jeremiah uh, Patusi. So you're looking at an offensive line with uh, two rookies that are going to be up front, one at center, one at right tackle and then potentially uh, your, your starting quarterback either being not 100% or being Zach Mettenberger, uh, I would think this would be the week that we see, you know, some explosion and see a couple sacks put on the board from our guys. Um, but they're, they're definitely struggling there. Um, if you look at the Titans, I mean, offensively, defensively, they're kind of like middle of the pack. 
Uh, they don't do anything particularly well. Uh, one thing they do that's not good for them is they don't cause a lot of turnovers. Um, so they they have actually lost more turnovers than they forced this season. So they give the ball away a lot. They're young up front. Um, even if Mariota starts, he's still a rookie uh, who we got a chance to see in his first preseason game at the Dome. So um, it's going to be a tough environment. Kim Wisenhunt, 1-10 in, um, in his career at home. And this is, of course, being played in Nashville. So not really much of a uh, home field advantage. So if this is the time to catch a team like the, you know that's in a bad spot, I think this is definitely a week we get back on track. Yeah, I think this um, 10-day layover will be uh, great for us just because I think those boys are actually ready to get out there and redeem themselves. I'm also kind of where I, I would prefer Mariota to play just because Mettenberger is a better passer than uh, Mariota. And like I said, we saw Mariota that first preseason game. Granted, he's had more experience. But we just know that when it comes to to passing, Mariota is not that um, he's not that good of a passer. So I would I wanted Mariota I want Mariota to play. I don't think he will play. I think it'll it will be Mattenberger, and I think Mattenberger is gonna come out there with some like think about it. He wants to win the like win his job. He didn't. This job was just gifted to Mariota. It wasn't really a quarterback um, challenge. It wasn't a position challenge, a position battle. Mettenberger just had to give up his job. So I think he's going to come out here with a little anger of his own. Like, yeah, I can be this uh, starting quarterback. I am better than Mariota. So that's one thing that does worry me, especially after seeing um, how atrocious our passing defense was last uh, last Thursday. And also, Delaney, Delaney Walker is a lot better than Benjamin Watson. So we need to, rec- we need to uh, correct those errors that we had last Thursday if if we do want to win this game, because Delaney Walker can um, create a matchup problem for whoever is guarding him. I like um, Kendall Wright has actually he's he's had some some blurs this uh, early this season where he, showing that he can be a a very good wide receiver. So we can't let him um, off the chains or anything. We can't give him any uh, opportunities. And um, this is, I guess, this is a homecoming for Harry Douglas. Um, he's had a quiet season so far. I hope it stays quiet. I don't want him to have a breakout game against us. But for the most part, this is a game that we should win. But we've always had issues with winning the game we should win. So this is this isn't something that you can just look over and um, and mark a W on the uh, schedule already. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in seeing some of these guys uh, on the Titans and. That's a team we really don't see too much nationally, and they haven't really been relevant in a few years. So definitely a challenge. I mean, you know, we don't know what the quarterback situation would be like, but if the quarterback gets the ball out, they have some weapons uh, on the outside. As we mentioned, Delaney Walker at tight end. Doriel Green Beckham, highly touted college player and, you know, has some issues, but he's good. And Kendall Wright. And, I mean, I don't know. Their running back situation is kind of murky because they, they – Play three or four guys, you know, Antonio Andrews and Dexter McCluster, who's a, a speedy guy out the backfield, and he lines up wide sometimes as well. So I'll definitely be interested in their defense, just, you know, browsing their roster and seeing the guys they have. Of course, Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan can really get after the passer. So those are some guys we definitely need to watch out for. So it'll be an interesting game, uh, a game we definitely expect to hopefully dominate, but. You know, it was nothing any given yeah. Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Really it's a way game. 
I mean, I mean, just think about it. They were playing a Dolphins team that was pretty much about to fall apart, you know, just getting rid of their coach. And at home, they lose by 29 points. Um, so not to say that their season is over, but it looks – I mean, the Titans are going to be a bad team this year. This isn't going to be a team um, that is going to be expected to do a whole lot. Um, I think even before the year started, their expectations were kind of low, you know, a lot of youth on the, on the team. So – this should be a game that the, I mean, the Falcons should be able to win and, you know, hopefully with a win, it would match our win total from last year. It'd be good to get back on the winning track of things. And I think the Falcons can come out, you know, establish the ground game a little bit more, get Devontae on track. You know, Julio sounds like he's the healthiest he's been in a little while. Get him the rock. I think this is a game the Falcons can definitely get on track with. Yeah. I mean, I also, can, oh, go ahead. I also think this is a game, like every game this season we've started slow. Like we can't keep relying on okay we start in sl- we start slow in late third quarter fourth quarter we pick it up like we have to start just coming in and um like managing the game rather than just the the typical slow start and then we we finally find our offense we finally tune up our offense later in the game. It, it should be an exciting game though. I I think if the Falcons come out early come out with a with some aggression. They can't play laid back like they did against the Saints and not match their energy. Uh, the Titans are going to be a desperate team, just like how the Saints were. You know, they realize that they lose another game, their season pretty much is done. Um, so we've got to come out, be the aggressors, and we've got to come out and set the tempo early. Um, hopefully we can get to the quarterback and whoever the quarterback is and change the dynamics of the game. That line is going to be under pressure with two rookies starting on their offensive line um, and, some, and, and a brand-new rookie at center. So – there shouldn't be any reason we can't get pressure up the middle uh, to disrupt their passing game. Hopefully Adrian Claiborne can step up. He's been probably our best interior pass rusher. Him, along with Grady Jarrett, he's been in the backfield making tackles for loss. But, I mean, that Miami defense has six sacks last week. We're, we don't have a Miami defensive line. I must but, say, they have, probably have one of the best yeah, front fours in the league. Cam Wake had four sacks, so uh, we don't have a Cam Wake. But, you know, hopefully we can see Vic Beasley – get on track, man, and kind of live up to that building. I mean, two sacks, he's he's not physically, you know, he's still adjusting to the game because, he's, as we talked about, he's a slim guy to be playing uh, DN right now. But, you know, as he gets stronger, he'll he'll get better. But hopefully we can get, get to the quarterback and get his W. So, A.V., give me your score prediction, and then, Trent, give me your score prediction for the game on Sunday. I mean, I think it's going to be a game the Falcons come out early looking to dominate. I think we have to get up early on this team. When you got a team that's already 1-4, and four, um, the best thing you can do is put a couple touchdowns on the board early, get get them to do some three and outs on their offensive side, get them in a hole and make them feel, you know, as, uh, as inferior as possible. So I do think the Falcons come out with a little bit of an edge. They've had 10 days to stew on this, uh, this Thursday night loss to the Saints. Um, I don't think it'll be a complete blowout, but I do think the Falcons get up early. I think the Falcons win 24 to 14. I have 24 13. Ah, there it is. But it's for the same reason. I feel like um, we should come out and our offense should basically, our offense should be able to score touchdowns. And while we're scoring touchdowns, I just don't think that whoever is, is playing quarterback. I don't think the uh, the Titans will get in the end zone enough. I think we'll they they should be able to drive because our defense is a bend but don't break defense. So I expect them to drive down the field. I just don't expect them to um to finish drives. 
So that's why I'm going 24-13. All right, I'm thinking uh, – I think the Titans will score 14. I think the Falcons will score 35. So I'd say final score 35-14. We see Matt get two or three touchdown passes the first half. And uh, Devontae will get one rushing touchdown. I think Devontae will be under 100 yards this week. Just a random prediction. Is that Shanahan holding him back again? No, I just I just think he won't get over 100 yards rushing this week. I'm, finally, I think teams might start keying in on him, man. He's... He's not a secret anymore. Like he's one of the best, statistically one of the best running backs in the league right now. So they definitely have to game plan for him now. To your point, like I think earlier in the year it was more of a novelty. Like, oh wow, look at Devontae Freeman. But now, I mean, he's got a track record of the last four, you know, four plus games of being a threat to not only score anytime he touches it, but he can hit, kill you, running it, catching it. So. Um, I definitely think he's piqued the interest of whoever is calling the, the defensive game plan. So um, I think they definitely want to try to shut him down and see what they can do on the outside with Julio. But it's almost like a pick your poison. Do you want Julio to gash you for a 20, 30 yarder every play? Or do you want Devontae to chop you up for five or six every carry? So they're going to have to pick who they want to deal with. And you can't put eight in a box. They want to try to stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good luxury to have. I mean, you know, you got the second leader in Russian Russia with in yards of five hundred five, Devontae, and of course Lee's lead with nine touchdowns by far. But I we I guess we do need to see Coleman get back on track as well because that two headed monster will be something that I mean, you never know. I mean, going forward, there could be Freeman could be the number one and Coleman is the complimentary back when we thought it'd be the reverse uh starting the year. So it's good luxuries to have when you got options. You know, it's good to have options offensively and Jacob Tammy was also decent last week. I know that's Trent, one of Trent's uh, key players. He misses yeah, a lot. So. Just decent. Decent, you know, decent. He had a couple drops. Yeah, he had a couple drops, but options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so hopefully Shanahan, like, hopefully Shanahan has a better um, call. He calls a better game on Sunday. I just feel like Thursday, even though, like I said, we had a lot of um, turnovers that he couldn't account for he still could have uh, called a better game well we'll we'll definitely see what Shanahan has to offer what Quinn and uh, Richard Smith defensively that's the defensive coordinator's name right Richard Smith I know we don't we don't mention him much but because I think it's almost like uh, yeah it kind of feels like Dan Quinn probably is like the real defensive coordinator Richard Smith's kind of just like Taking notes, whatever you say, boss. I mean, I'm sure he has. <laughs> he had the title. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got the title and you know the official perks and stuff. But I feel like Dan Quinn is kind of like, okay, this is what we're gonna do in a situation. This is how we're gonna run it. And you see, if you see what a lot of different um, coaches, Bill Belichick. I mean, even though he's not the defensive coordinator, that team is following his defensive identity. Uh, you know, every Sunday. So I think it's kind of like that. You know, as far as how the team is being run, but. You know, uh, I know DQ has definitely got to have something up his sleeve to try to get to the quarterback because it's probably killing them that we can't be better at, at getting sacks or getting pressure because we're not even getting pressure at this point. Yeah. Yeah, so there you guys have it. Another episode of Bird Bros. Remember, everybody, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment on iTunes. Uh, hit us up on our new Facebook page. You can just search Bird Bros. Also on Twitter at Bird Bros. And, Send any questions to birdbrus at gmail.com. Anybody listen to us through the collie.com, we appreciate your support and your hate as well. If you're listening, that means it's, 
we're getting more more clicks, so that's all good. <laughs> that, and uh, so that's Bird Brothers tonight. Thanks for listening, and go Falcons.